Welcome to Lessons for Living Television. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Many that live in southern Ontario, and if you're about my age, you're going to remember what happened on November the 10th, 1979. A Canadian Pacific train lost one of its reels, resulting in the derailment of 24 cars. Now, included in these cars were six dangerous ingredients, propane, caustic soda, styrene, fiberglass insulation, and chlorine. Now, these flammable liquids and vapors caused a massive explosion that could be seen for more than 100 kilometers. Well, evacuations began within two hours after the explosion. In total, 218,000 residents were asked to leave their homes. For many, it was more than a week before they could return home. With no fatalities or no serious injuries, many considered what was became known as the Mississauga train derailment as the Mississauga miracle. It remains to this day the largest peacetime evacuation in North American history. Although the fallout from the derailment was substantial, displaced people, closed highways, massive traffic jams, abandoned animals, there were no lost lives or serious injuries. What could have been a disaster of enormous proportions, in fact, it did become the Mississauga miracle. You know, trains are not the only things that get derailed. Dreams sometimes get derailed too. Some dreams are just sabotaged by enemies. Others are wrecked by one's own mistakes or negligence. And almost everyone has had at least one dream derailed. You've ever fallen in love with someone or constructed delightful dreams of a heavy, happy ever after lifetime only to face the heartbreaking reality that the other person... Well, they don't share those dreams. Have you ever had to face the fact that you've maxed out in your career, that you will not scale the heights you once thought possible? Has your spouse ever told you that he or she wants out of the marriage? Have you watched years pass and the right mate has just not appeared? And the dreams you have cherished since you were a little child, you know, playing house, seem to be ever more elusive. Have you ever been told, or have you ever told a member of your family that, a, that they have a life-threatening illness? And that it raises just a huge question over all of your dreams. Because all of us had had at least one dream derailed, we can understand the silent tears that must have rolled down the face of a teenager by the name of Joseph, whose dreams faded as each lumbering camel stride took him further and further from home. Oh, wait, I'm getting way ahead of myself. In Romans chapter 15 and in verse 4, we read the following. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, that through perseverance and the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. Well, this reference to earlier time encompasses all of the truths written in the Old Testament. And if I read these verse, this verse correctly, 
there are two basic reasons why God has allowed us today to have the Old Testament for study, application. First, for present instruction, it said, and second, for future hope. God has given us this truth so that our minds can learn the truth about him and about life and so that we will be encouraged to persevere in the future. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, it says, Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction. You see, God uses the lives of biblical characters to teach us, to encourage us, and to warn us. Who could forget the impact, the truths lived out in the lives of uh, David and Moses or Jonah, Peter and Paul. You see, it is impossible to leave truth in the theoretical realm when you see it revealed in the lives of real men and real women. That's what these divinely inspired biographies do. They, they distill truth and, and then they weave it into the fabric of everyday living. God's training manual, the Bible, is full of lives that inspire and that instruct. Now, that being the case, there is someone that I think we should all meet. His life is recorded in Genesis chapter 37 through chapter 50. He's a man of enormous integrity who modeled in his life continual forgiveness. His name is Joseph. Now, unless I miss my guess, you will never forget this man. Perhaps no life in the Bible reads more like a suspenseful and compelling novel than the life of Joseph. Now, the first person we encounter and need to understand in Joseph's life is his father, Jacob. His other name is Israel. Israel means God strives. The name is significant. It's a significant improvement over his original name, Jacob, which literally meant deceiver. Now, we'll come back to that, but let's go to Genesis chapter 37. We're going to begin here at verse 1. It says, Now Jacob lived in the land where his father had sojourned in the land of Canaan. These are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph was 17 years of age, was pastoring the flock with his brothers, and while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Biha and the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives, and Joseph brought a bad report about them to their father. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a multicolored tunic. Now, Jacob was an aging man when Joseph was born. Joseph, it says, was the son of his old age. The name Jacob, the deceiver, was appropriate since that has been, had been his nature since the time he was a very young man. Not only was Jacob a deceiver, he was a very passive father. Here in this ancient story is a classic example of a man that was too busy for his family, too preoccupied and, and unconcerned with that, what it meant to be a good father, too passive to deal with what was occurring in the lives of his own children. Right here, we find our first point of instruction. You know, in an article that appeared in the website azcentral.com, 
Some interesting points were raised about the role of fathers, particularly fathers, in a child's development. Here's what the article said. Fathers are cited more than mothers in issues such as psychological maladjustment, substance abuse, depression, and behavioral problems, according to research done by Ronald Rohner, director of the Center for the Study of Parental Acceptance and Rejection in the School of Family Studies at the University of Connecticut, and his colleague, Robert Veneziano. They also found that a father's love helps prevent the development of these problems and can also contribute to a child's good physical health. You see, a father's job begins the second the child is born. An emotional connection to the father, say, they say, helps with the development of cognitive and, and, and motor skills. It also helps with the child's ability to bond and attach to others. But the crucial time is the teenage years. That's when the father teaches the son limits and rules. That's when the father shows the son literally how to be a man. Because Jacob was getting up in years, he loved his son Joseph to the utmost. His great love for Joseph was underscored by the fact that Joseph was the child of Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel. Now, keep in mind that from the time of his birth, Joseph was his father's favorite. He was the firstborn of the favorite wife, Rachel. He was the son of Jacob's old age. He was different from his brothers in character and in attitude. And perhaps Jacob favored him for these reasons. Unwisely, however, he showed his great favoritism. Now, Jacob's other sons, they were no fools. I mean, they might have been lustful, unruly, deceitful, vengeful, but they were not stupid. I mean, they quickly realized by the highly visible evidence of their father's indulgences towards Joseph that he was the pet in the family. His mother had been the favored wife, and Joseph was the favored son. They're not about to sit back and let that continue. In only a matter of time, they would unleash their anger. Let's go to Genesis chapter 37 and verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a multicolored tunic. Uh, Dr. H.C. Leopold, in his book, Commentary in the Book of Genesis, suggests that Joseph's tunic was sleeved and was down to the ankles. You see, you can't work very well with an, a garment that has sleeves and that extends all the way down to your ankles, it's especially if it's made of a costly, richly ordained fabric and it's like a robe. In Joseph's day, the working garments were short and they were sleeveless. This way it left the arms and the legs free so that the workers could maneuver and do the work that they have to do. So you can imagine that by giving Joseph this elaborate full-length coat, his father was boldly implying, uh, you can wear this beautiful garment because you don't have to work like your brothers. Verse 4, Genesis 37. And his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. 
The home in which Joseph was raised was comprised of a family filled with anger and jealousy and deceitful people. Then, within that hostile environment, for 17 years, the sons of Jacob had watched their father play favorite with Joseph. Their jealousy now has turned into resentment and into hatred. Joseph's brothers had come to despise their brother so severely that they couldn't even speak a kind word to him. And try to imagine the pressure that's just mounting in that home. This is a giant powder keg on the verge of an explosion. Adding insult to injury, Joseph was a dreamer. And for whatever reason, he decides that he's going to tell his brothers the dream. Now, if the relations were not already strained, well, the dreams alone would have probably done the trick. Verse 5. Then Joseph had a dream, and he went and told it to his brothers. And they hated him even more. And he said to them, please, please listen to this dream which I've had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf. Then his brother said to him, Are you actually going to reign over us? Or are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams or for his words. Joseph comes to his brother and says, Hey guys, let me tell you about this dream that I had. Can you imagine? Every one of his brothers thinking, You've got to be kidding me. No way. Joseph said, wait, wait, guys, that's not all. I had another dream, verse 9. Now, he had still another dream and related it to his brothers and said, Lo, I have had still another dream, and behold, the sun and the moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. And he related it to his father and to his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have had? Shall I and your mother and your brothers actually come to bow ourselves down before you to the ground? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. When Jacob heard about the dream, he responded again passively. I'm not sure he had noticed the jealousy of his other sons, or if he did, well, he just chose not to do anything about it. Sometime after Joseph's brothers sent to pasture their father's flock, but Joseph, he didn't go with them. Maybe because Jacob wanted him close to him. But, but sometime has passed, sometime later, he sends Joseph to check on his brothers and to report back. Well, you got to wonder, what was Jacob thinking of at this point? I mean, if he was thinking at all. Was he totally oblivious to this situation? How could he avoid seeing the hatred and all of the jealousy in his own household? So you're about to witness the explosion of those pent-up emotions. Verse 17. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. And they saw him from a distance, and before he came close to them, they plotted against him, to put him to death. And they said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Now then, come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And we will say a wild beast devoured him. 
then let us see what will become of his dreams. Talk about hostility in a family. As soon as they see him coming, their immediate reaction was to kill him. This is a timely moment to point out that the mixture, notice, of passive parenting in a hostile family environment results in out-of-control consequences. By this point, the brothers now have murder on their mind. But Reuben, he steps in, verse 21. But Reuben heard this and rescued him out of their hands and said, Let us not take his life. Reuben further said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit that is in the wilderness. But do not lay hands on him, that he, that he might rescue him out of their hands to restore him to his father. So this is Reuben, the firstborn. Perhaps as the oldest, he felt some level of responsibility to his younger brother. The brothers listened and, and agreed with Reuben's plan. But notice the first thing that they did when Joseph arrived. They stripped him of that cloak, that hated robe of, of favoritism. That was the first thing to go. Then they threw him in a pit. And then they sat down to eat, verse 23. So it came when Joseph reached his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, that very colored tunic that was on him. They took him and threw him into the pit. And then they sat to eat. Well, the story continues as the brothers sat down to eat. They see this caravan approaching. This caravan was making its way to Egypt. So rather than killing Joseph, the brothers sold him like a common slave for 20 shekels of silver. Well, that's the price you would get for a disabled slave. Now, just imagine yourself as Joseph. Your hands are tied behind you. Now, as you're being transported as a helpless hostage in the hands of these uncaring strangers towards a foreign land, your status has plunged almost instantly from favored son of a wealthy farmer to a slave worth 20 shekels. Where is God in all of this? When your dreams are derailed, what do you do then? Well, when Jacob saw the bloody evidence and came to the desired conclusion that his beloved son Joseph was dead, I wonder if that night as he sat there alone and tormented, I wonder if he might have realized his own failure as a father. I wonder if he poured out his heart to God in anguish. No action is more powerful than prayer. I realize that the biblical story does not state that Jacob turned to God in prayer, but surely he must have done so. I mean, where else was he going to turn for hope? You and I, we can find strength to endure and the power to recover in prayer. I like to think that Jer Joseph turned his situation over to God in prayer, even as that caravan was making its way to Egypt. Surely he knew, even at 17, that his only hope now came through God's faithful intervention. Surely, surely he must have cried out to the one who was in control of his future. And we must do the same thing. So here we leave Joseph in a most precarious of circumstances, abandoned by his brothers, 
left at the mercy of these ruthless mercenaries, en route to a destination totally unfamiliar to him, the teenage son of Jacob had nowhere to look but up. And again, I'm convinced that that's exactly what he did. You see, when the world throws you into a dead end, God says, stand firm and see the deliverance of the Lord. When the world says it's impossible, the Word of God says, with God, all things are possible. When the world says there is no way, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When you face a dead end in your life, God can always, always find a detour. Joseph did his part. His philosophy was simple. Never give up. Use whatever you have. Trust God will find a way. Let's pray. Father in heaven, please take the broken pieces of our lives and our shattered dreams. Mend them. Make us whole. May we turn to Jesus at life's most trying times and find the peace that only he can bring. Please bless each and every viewer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Those that have been watching us on a regular basis know that every week we like to offer you some resources that are going to help you better understand the topics that we're presenting. And we want to do that today. In fact, um, we've gone through our archives and we found a couple of resources that I think are going to be quite beneficial. Uh, one of them, and we've, we've offered this before, it's, it's this great um, special edition of the Signs of the Times magazine, and it's entitled, When Life is Unfair. And it, it helps us understand the answers to the questions, why do bad things happen uh, to the innocent? Where is God when tragedy strikes? What is causing all the pain and suffering? So that's one of the gifts I want to send you. The other one is, these, is this little book. It's called Help in Daily Living, A Practical Guide to Everyday Blessings. And I think these two resources together will go a long way in to help you better understand that God is leading in our lives and He is in control in spite of what we might be experiencing and what we might be seeing with our human eyes. And so... I hope you accept this offer. These come to you free of charge, postage page, no obligation on your part whatsoever. If you're interested in receiving both of these resources, well, just take note of the information that's about to come up. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.alforltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number at 
1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request, and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us and for tuning in each week. And um, please help us get the word out. Let your friends know we're on, on the air. You know, Joseph has only begun to experience some of the darkest moments in his life. But through them all, he's going to realize that God's hand will hold him close that God's plan will ultimately be fulfilled in his life as it, it, it is in my life and in your life. So I hope you're going to join us over the next number of weeks as we continue to study the, the life of Joseph. Before we go, a couple of things I want to make sure you're aware of. One of them is, you know, if you're in the Toronto area, uh, come out and visit my church. We're the Harmony Adventist Church. We worship at the Wellspring Worship Center. We rent some space there at, on 89 Center Avenue. That's Center Avenue, not Center Street. That's Willowdale Avenue, south of Steeles, north of Cummer. And so we're there every Saturday at, uh, at uh, 10 o'clock for Bible study. And then at 1130, we have our worship service. Now, we're not a huge congregation. We're a small group. Uh, but you know what, we'll, we'll love you, we'll, we'll minister with you, and we'll support you. And uh, I'll tell you, you're going to find a wonderful group of believers there. So trust me on that one. Now, if you live outside of Toronto, if you're watching us in Alberta or some other province, and you're saying, well, I'd like to find a church family that I can be a part of and worship with, then write to me, either through the website, l4ltv.com, or my direct email, which is bill at l4ltv.com. Tell me where you live and I'll refer you to a church. I'll put you in contact with the pastor of that church and there's lots of wonderful congregations across this country and places that will support you. Like I said, will minister uh, to you. Uh, on the website, l4ltv.com, I would encourage you to visit the website because on the website, you'll see what's coming up in the next uh, few weeks. Uh, you'll find all the previous programs. You're going to find where I will be appearing live, under live appearances. Um, you will also have, there's a section there on biblical answers. So if you have a Bible question, you, you want to send it to me, I'll, I'll, I'll answer that. There's also some archived presentations that deal with things like what happens to us when we die, which day is the Sabbath, you know, what is heaven like, you know, who or what is 666. They're longer presentations, so they're archived there on the website. You can visit them, you can watch them, you can refer them, and then you can download a, a, a lesson outline to help you further in your study of that particular topic. That's under the Biblical Answers and Hope 2016 uh, uh, tab on the website. And there's a Donate Today tab also uh, where you can make a donation to the ministry. And I want you to know that any money you commit to this ministry is used directly for the ministry. It's used to buy airtime, to pay studio time, to buy the gifts, pay for the postage. Not a penny of it comes to pay salary for me or, 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 or directly benefit me. I, I want you to understand that. And so visit the l4ltv.com website. Another website, missionnowcanada.com is our overseas mission work website. Join us on a mission trip. Help us buy medical supplies 
find out what we do on the mission trips. Uh, missionnowcanada.com. If you've never been on a mission trip, why not come on one with us? They're telling me it's time to wrap up. So let me thank you again. And let, I'll be praying that God gives us the opportunity to, to study his word together like this again real soon. Until then, God bless you. Let's get back together again real soon.